Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. Reanimated, that is. <laughs> I'm AJ Conrad here, as always, with my intrepid, intrepider co-host Stuart Tiffin. Hey, Tiffin. Hey, Tiffin. Hey, Tiffin. <laughs> hey, Conrad. Not just intrepid, but intrepider. Intrepider. Then I like. Intrepid, I like. I'm feeling the energy today. It's good. It's feeling good. Yeah. I don't know if it's energy. I did not. I've not been sleeping really well, so I I've been drinking some iced coffee this morning. I may have over caffeinated a little, so just fair warning. Um, but today I am pretty, uh, actually pretty excited to talk about the first episode of Resident Evil, the series, which uh, debuted on Netflix this past two, week. Two short days ago, it debuted yep. on Netflix. And I'm um, glad and, that you're excited to talk, to talk about it because I am too. Yeah. And uh, as everybody knows who listens to this podcast, I am generally a little bit more skeptical of the Resident Evil franchise and it's not my favorite. I, I like some things about it, but um, I just feel like the, the franchise really just has been very thin and, and running on fumes for a very long time. I mean, it's like the is, is probably the longest cons- continuously yeah. running film franchise. Yeah. They had like, what, eight films under Mila Jovich. Yeah. And they've had uh, animated shows, which we have never really watched much of that one. I think we started to and laughed too much. Uh, we yeah, watched uh, Welcome to Raccoon City just a month or two ago. It feels like it might have been longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? Why? Where? Where does your skepticism come from? The Mila Jovovich movies? No, I mean those movies. There's some good things that I love about it. And look, you're gonna make. And this is, I think, probably a, a thing for any movie that's based upon a video game. And there's lots of fun things about that, which I do love, which is that it does actually feel kind of like you're in a video game and they do have a lot of like um, Easter eggs for any people who are a fan of those games. And I do happen to be a fan of those games. Like, I think that they are a lot of fun. But I think if you're making like a 20 plus movie franchise of it, like there's just only so much you can do. Um, And I do think that you have to, in some ways, reinvent that or figure out different ways to present it. And I, and I just feel like they have just run out of um, like runway, honestly, for that. Um, But in this case, and that's why I was skeptical about the series. However, um, I think that this series, at least we, we have only watched the first episode. So, uh, with that said, they did release everything so you could binge watch this. And I would say that it is very bingey. You know, it, it lends itself to that because um, it definitely has like a cliffhanger feel to it. Um, to me, this is like a really fun sort of not taking itself too seriously popcorn action horror thing. Um, and it's fun. The writing's good. The actors are great. They definitely had a pretty decent budget for this. Yeah. Um, it's you know and it it's not taking itself too seriously but it also is like i don't know there are definitely moments where you're like ah you know like it's sort of like a classic horror jump scare thing um and i don't know like the the tenor of it it feels better the cast is fantastic um so I, I really am enjoying at least the first episode and i hope that it continues um i have not looked at um reviews of this because I didn't want to, I mean, we know some of the story and I think they're even hinting at that or they, they're laying, they're setting the table for that in this. So there's certainly familiar names and familiar things like the, you know, and we, we've got our, you know, big bad, the umbrella and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to spoil myself by reading too many of the review, review blah, too many of the reviews because 
I think that they go like pretty far into things and I don't yet want to get spoiled by it. Well, I can tell you, AJ, that remember uh, Paul Tassie? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We we first got to know his writing when he was writing these extraordinarily glowing reviews of Fear the Walking Dead in season one and two. Like he was just like, oh, it's now better than the prime show, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think he's changed his mind on that. But so he wrote a review of this that was basically like, this is terrible. This show is terrible. And all the reviews I'm seeing are that it's bad. Uh, and I don't understand that because, yeah, what I saw in this first episode was good writing, was a good cast um, and, you know, an interesting enough story uh, t- told in two different time timelines. Um, Lance Reddick. Yeah, I'm I was sorry. about to say he is like, okay. So I'll admit, I adore him. This is he is one of my all time favorites. Um, he was amazing in The Wire. He was amazing in Fringe. Um, Wash. Uh, like he's just he, he plays is a lot just, of uh, police captains. <laughs> he does. He's definitely got that kind of like um, commanding presence, but you could also see him playing evil scientist and he does this very well in this or evil? not evil, but like maybe misguided scientist, maybe, yeah. maybe conflicted scientist. Anyway, um, he just has like an incredibly uh, I just I, I adore him and he is great in this. His um, reactions to Jade, his daughter, who is a really difficult teenage girl, but also she has some of the best one liners in this episode. Yeah. His, his reactions to her like uh, acting out are, are great. It's like subdued. He's just like confused a lot by her behavior. Yeah. Um, and she's uh, she's Ella Belinska who plays Jade. Um, and well, that's she, the, uh, the, the later time version. here. The, la- the later. Wait, is she the later one? Ella Belinska is the uh, older version of Jade. Okay. The younger one is Tamara something. Okay. Well, both Jades are great. Um, sorry, Tamara, Tamara Smart is young Jade, and they're both amazing. She is, um, yeah, like the honest, yeah, but, I agree, they're both really good. But Tamara, I think, stands out to me maybe because of the dialogue she's given, yeah. And, and I mean, we have a little bit more of her, like, I, I would say, um, Ella Belinska is great, but we're seeing more of her in the action y type yeah. things, so we haven't seen a ton of her as much, but Tamara is fantastic, and so she's supposed to be, I think, 14 or 15. Um, I think that's around the age high of- school age. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so um, she is um, like a twin to um, her like sister, um, Billy. And I don't know who Billy is played by, but she, uh, Sienna Agudon. And they're both really, really good. And they both play just um, this teenage role. They And that's my my comment about the writing is that they're both believable and they're both believable and sort of playing these different sort of um, emotions and things going on. So like the young Jade is pissed that they're moved to Raccoon City. Her sister isn't happy about it, but she's kind of like playing along. But but like Jade is really doing the acting out. And there's a lot of like little like half little like. I don't know, nasty comments under her breath, like so very teenager, very teenagery, but done like really well and, and believable. And there's that like kind of like, I don't know, annoying thing that the 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 dad's just like, oh, God, the rolling of the eyes because he's just like, oh, teenagers, you know, like like they do the family dynamic really well. And you're not seeing like uh, you do see them interacting 
but they make the most of every single scene where this is and they build these characters and their relationships really well. So I believe it. I believe that these two are sisters. I believe that this dad is like this incredibly um, skilled uh, person that we don't know too much of what he does yet. We know he's like a, a scientist or something with, and has been brought to, to work at umbrella. Um, there's definitely something nefarious going on, but um you know, because there's like blood samples with the girls and things like that. And he's injecting himself with, which yeah. was an interesting re- yeah, revelation. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But um, and then there's also like just sort of um, and it's not. And the reason why I like it, it's it's not just sort of like putting this out there and not like they have a conversation. Like it's not like they're hiding things in a way that doesn't make sense. But like um, Billy has had problems at her old school and they talk about it and about the fact that she basically lost her temper and hurt somebody and now everybody thought she was psycho and that may be part of why they're moving and she doesn't want people so part of her reticence and her passivity is because she doesn't want to start anything and in fact that makes it you know she's a very sympathetic character because but i don't think we've seen her snap yet and yeah i kind of want to see her snap a little bit that does feel like it's going to be pretty telegraphed and obviously by the end of this episode she is somewhat introduced not on screen but it's like oh maybe she's the uh maybe she's the big bad i think there is another big bad uh in the show that that we haven't met yet, but we haven't seen her, her old, the older version of her. We weren't even sure if she survived until the, the very end of the yeah. episode. Yeah. So that, and, and I mean, there's, and there's a really good reaction from the older Jade when she hears that say her sister's been looking for her, which is a little, you know, um, and, and I mean, knowing what we know about Resident Evil, um, you know, that something's going on and at, like everything that we've witnessed just about Raccoon Corporation. And that's one thing that I really like is that you don't necessarily have to have any of this knowledge to watch this and enjoy it. Well, like, fact, you- in fact, it's better if you don't. And I think yeah. maybe some of like Paul Tassi was speculating that some of the negativity on places like Rotten Tomatoes, where it has an audience score of 22%, which I 100% think is unwarranted. Oh, yeah. He thinks that this is due to the fact that it's an original story using character names who have some level of familiarity to fans. Also, they're not white people, which is like the entire cast of the original films, more or less. And And the video games, there's a lot of white people. And this Wesker family is not white. And, I kind of um, like that, though. I, I think mean, that of that's course. Cool, Who I, cares? It doesn't even matter. Um, Albert, Albert Wesker, I don't think he was a scientist. Like, he certainly wasn't in the movie that we just watched where no. he was played by, oh, God, Billy Bowlegs, the guy from Black, uh, yeah. Black Sails. Um and he was a soldier who who right. was like turned into a weapon. And I remember the Albert Wesker vaguely from the Mila Jovovich films. And he was like an operator, not a scientist, but he was high up at Umbrella. So I don't know where in the lore this Albert Wesker might fall. Maybe it's a completely different kind of character, but yeah. I don't really give a damn. The story was never that good to begin with. No, they uh, can do whatever they want. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like they could do whatever they want with it. And I think they have. And I think that, you know, that's probably like t- totally fine. Um, and I think that that, you know, honestly, this whole franchise doesn't take itself too seriously. So you can do whatever you want. He could go from being like a police captain to a scientist to whatever you want. Um, and I don't think it matters that much. I mean, that's to me, that's sort of like one of the um, 
one of the the things about this whole franchise is that you can like sort of morph things into different stories with no issue because it isn't that serious. Um, and, you know, I will say one thing about his character in general, um, in terms of the franchise and whatever, is that he's always sort of doing something behind the scene um, scenes and like, I don't know, doing things that are, you know, nefarious. So it does to me, it makes sense that they might morph him into a scientist. And I think that that's probably fine. Um, and again, I don't I think you just honestly, I think people just have to go into this with like open hearts, open minds and just enjoy it. It's a fun summer ride, in my opinion. So, I mean, yeah, our one episode in has been certainly that. And and a lot of that, again, is is buoyed by one liners that uh, Jade, young Jade gets to utter like when they arrive at their new home and she says, we're in South Africa and there's like five black people. This place is effing weird. She says things to her. I don't know who this woman is who who's like trying to cut them cake. I don't think she lives there. Maybe she does. Uh, she says like, um, "Oh, this place was this place was voted like best place to live." And she goes, "By who?" Uh, and then she throws a bunch of shade at Lulu Lemon and Elon Musk. Even oh yeah, yeah, it was uh, great. And um, and CrossFit. <laughs> she, um, they just give her great lines like, "I'm going to be great at heroin." I mostly read Zootopia porn. like I was just smiling most of the time that she was on screen and then it takes a turn halfway through the episode where she starts to give Billy some pretty bad advice like prison advice because Billy's having these troubles with this one kid who and that kid I think is hard to understand because she seems like an outcast but then she also is a bully and I don't know if that behavior is real well, so that was one thing that I that was the one thing that I didn't fully get because it felt out of line or the reaction seemed out of line. And it made me wonder if there was something like whatever he's injecting or whatever he's taking from the girls. Is there something going on with them that's causing people to be violent near them? And maybe that's why she had some school problems. I don't know. Maybe I'm total. That t- could be totally wrong. But because the reaction seems so outsized, it did feel a little out of place. And so maybe they're trying to go a little too hard at the bully, the bullied being then turning into like a bully. But um, it didn't feel that whole reaction between those two didn't feel like it made sense to me. So I don't know. We'll maybe have to see further down the line whether something else happens. But yes, um, Jade is giving Billy extraordinarily stupid advice and also saying things like everybody's laughing at you. Yeah. And and I don't think anybody I think, you know, they kind of thought that the other kid was being a jerk. Um, so I don't think anybody was laughing at her. I think that that was like just weird teenagery stuff. So. I don't know. That felt that felt that one part didn't necessarily ring true to me, but that's why I thought maybe that that something else is happening there. Um, yeah, I think I think we, there is some other context that's obviously going to come into focus here. Um, but that the the South Asian young woman who is like also being told that she can't sit with people in the lunchroom, for her to then go full aggro. Uh, and be like, "Oh, you're a vegan. I love shooting deer in the head, and I think it's awesome." And you're yeah, stupid. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. Um, like she just goes out the gates full, full bore. And I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen people act that way, but maybe. Well, that's why I thought maybe yep. there was something else happening, but we'll have to wait and see on that point. Um, however, we do get to see, you know, and I think it's, to me, it's pretty clear, but 
I don't know why somebody would set up Billy in this way or if Billy doesn't remember doing this or if it was Jade doing this and getting <laughs> Billy in trouble. I don't know. It was but basically, um, you know, after the second incident where she gets like food mashed in her face, Billy, like th- we then see like a scene where this strange mascot thing beats the crap out of the the bully girl. And the mat, the like head is found in Billy's locker. And I guess the only part of this whole sort of storyline that confuses me is that if it actually was Jade doing this, why would she like set up her sister that way? I don't know. The whole thing felt weird, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. However, it leads to one of like a very good scene um, with Lance Reddick, which is um, he like comes in because because Billy gets called into the principal's office. And this is an incredibly good scene um, where it starts off. Have- I, I didn't enjoy the way it started, where it was two adults and the bully in the room with. Well, maybe they're thinking that she's the actually the aggressor in they this do. scene, but it's an, it's super inappropriate for. Oh, yeah for this way to, for this to be going the way it's going. And, you know, when Lance Reddick does come into the scene, you're like, Oh, thank goodness. But yeah, then he does handle it so nicely. And I feel like it, it's his turn to, to like throw his weight around, but he does it in a way that's still kind of passive. Um, and I, I thought that was interest an interesting approach by the he writers. Does it, well, what I love about this scene is that, um, and so basically he gets called in because Billy has got gotten called to the principal's office and you've got the father of the bully basically ahead of this really saying some pretty like terrible things saying he's going to press charges um very threatening and you're right totally inappropriate especially you know these are kids so this isn't like and i i don't fully believe that this is how this would have been handled necessarily usually they would have separated them out everybody out and then you know talk to people separately but then you wouldn't have such a cool scene so Lance Reddick comes in sort of when this is starting, when the the father of the girl is starting to get really worked up and everything just kind of like gets taken down a notch because he's very calm in how he manages this and also calm, but very steely. And the other thing that this scene really reveals is how important he is at Umbrella, um, that his role is basically at the top of the food chain and he starts out like kind of friendly, but like very um, not even all that subtly threatening uh, the father. And ultimately, he does not believe his daughter has done this. And he also believes she's being treated unfairly. And, and he knows. like, And it was nice that he was aware that this other girl had already been, you know, assaulting in quotes. Well, the first time definitely was assault. The second time, I guess it's also it's basically, you know, Rudy Giuliani versions of assault um, uh, where she gets the the burrito actually smashed in her face. Right. So that's, that's assault. Uh, and he's like, you assaulted my daughter twice and you were just threatening my daughter outside. Cause he's like thin walls. If honestly, if I'd heard uh, another adult speaking to one of my children that way, I would have gone in there half cocked. I would have like, oh, yeah. and so, you know, the, the way that he approaches this, the way they have him approach it, I think is, isn't Like I said, it's an interesting tack. And then he doesn't say like, I can have you fired. He's, no. he, he it, like, it's more complicated. I mean, it's essentially what he's saying, but he does, he comes around it like in a, in a, from an interesting direction. So I did think that was pretty fun. And then the guy playing uh, Mr. Isaacs, Dave uh, also does a good job of uh, responding and reacting to that. And even the principal looks very uncomfortable because, you know, obviously at Wesker has the power to do this to just about anybody at umbrella and she's an umbrella employee too. 
Um, yeah, as soon as he walked in too, and Dave Dave says under his breath, "Oh, Wesker, damn it!" Yeah, <laughs> like he knew what was about to happen. Yeah, but I mean, he should have known just given Billy's right? last name, so that was dumb. Yeah, if he didn't know her name going into this, uh, he probably should have thought about it more, especially in a company town. Um, but again, I mean, I love this scene and I like this just is another example of the the writing and the acting level in in this series. And even the looks between the principal and the other father when Wesker like comes in and starts like basically saying, oh, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And he's doing it in a very like indirect way, but a very threatening way and a very serious way. And um, the other thing I love is that the the daughter, the bully, doesn't get it. And so she's getting like upset and the dad's like, no, no, be quiet. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, everything's all good. And um, the, and the dynamic of the scene, it's like very quick moving. There's a lot of good energy in it. There's so many different feelings going on. And then ultimately Wesker comes in, just throws his weight around and then gets his daughter out and is like, OK, we're going to. We're going to just like take care of this. We're going to have a mental health day too. And they use that to push the story forward because her mental health day leads to her revelation about the bunnies. It's really, it's really good. And it's just, um, just a great, uh, to me, it was just really well done. And this is one of my favorite scenes in this whole episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that is, to me, this just sort of shows the the quality of the show and, Again, I was very skeptical going in the, into this, as you know, and so I was just so pleasantly surprised. I just think it's fun. It's a fun watch and it makes sense. Like it doesn't feel forced. So she does have her mental health day, goes and sees the different things in the lab. Like all of it is, um, I just thought it was was really designed well and the storytelling was designed well. Um, and even, you know, we see, cause we're doing like sort of flashbacks between present day, which is 2036 and back to the sort of origins of all of this and for those who know the series and the the franchise or sorry the the franchise of the movies um none of this is totally like all of this kind of makes sense we already see that this virus has gotten out of control the world is in trouble um we see that you know it's very much a 28 days later kind of wasteland in london or that was what it seemed reminiscent of to me um but we're also like like Jade's older character is like running around London doing some, I think, research. Um, yeah. And we see and we see that there must be pockets of civilization elsewhere. She's got a family somewhere else like we we they, I feel like they do a good job of juxtaposing the sort of origin Raccoon City, like Jade and Billy as teenagers with the present day, although we haven't yet seen Billy, as you said. Um, so, you know, I just thought that that the, the, the contrast between the two worlds is really well done. Um, I think the cinematography is, is great. Um, and they've done such a good job with like color palette, like, like Raccoon City is very, I mean, it's almost clinical actually, like how they present Raccoon City in the high school and the, in the lab and umbrella corporation versus what we're seeing in 2036. Um, yeah and that that's a that's a you know it's a choice it's it's nothing that's like it's not like super original um but it works it like you can tell like this place is weird uh and and by comparison billy and jade do have a little more like rough edges to them yeah just in the hair choices for billy their clothing than the like uh white 
and shades of gray and very light colors that everybody else is wearing mm-hmm. um, in the in the town. It's a it's a yeah, but I, I think that it, it does the job because then when you go into the twenty thirty six, well, uh, Jade is just wearing that like orange suit, but everything around her is like corrupted, like the land is corrupted, right? Like London, it looks weird. Uh, she doesn't seem concerned at all, though. That's kind of interesting too. She has her little her little encampment. Uh, and I, I really was happy that we got to see how that worked not too long into the episode. Um, and she's just living in her tent. I was almost convinced that uh, when she started that video call, that it was like a recording and she was just talking to it like it was real. Um, but then, I, then it became clear that that was not the case. I think I was just ready for the show to be darker than it actually was. Cause there isn't a lot of like concern on her part. No, I mean, she's kind of like, I'm out in the field doing this thing, but she doesn't seem scared. She's just sort of matter of fact, which I kind of liked. And we also see her gearing up to go out and do whatever research she's doing. And we know, I mean, like, I think it's pretty clear that like she's in kind of a burned out London again, very 28 days later looking um, sort of post-apocalyptic apocalyptic London Um and but she she's sort of like gearing up. She doesn't seem to have fear, like other than taking normal precautions. Um, she sprays herself with something, which I'm assuming is an anti zombie or something. And later, I think we find out that it doesn't make her smell or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, she's just sort of going about things. And this is normal routine for her. There's nothing like incredibly stressful about what she's doing um and she you know even in terms of the research she's doing she to me she's like incredibly close to whatever she's trying to to look at which turns out to be more you know the the zeros um but yeah her the distance from where her experiment happens and where she is observing it is like i don't know 20 feet she's just right there yeah Uh, so so maybe she should be showing a little more concern for her surroundings but until she sets off her experiment, which is like draw, you know, a prick of blood from this rabbit and put it on some grass and then sit back and watch. Um, even when that's going on, she's just like, yeah, so, uh, you know, note scientist log, uh, no more. And she's looking, she explains it later to the guys in Brighton. Uh, she's looking for signs of evolution in the virus. Uh, but apparently she does not work for umbrella. So it's kind of, int- I'm, I'm like intrigued from this first episode. What is, what's she actually doing? What, who's she with? Uh, they're trying to figure out ways to survive in this world. Cause she also lays out later that there's what, six million, no, 300 million humans left alive in the world. Uh, six billion zombies or zeros. Um, so her goal, as she states, is like trying to figure out a way to maybe kill the zeros faster um, as the virus evolves. And I thought that was kind of a, a cool premise. Of course, the scene with her experiment goes sideways. She has to run for her life. We get to see her cool camp uh, function, but then um, <laughs> the giant caterpillar shows up, which I thought was a really cool and a different sort of monster. Yeah. And I liked that. And I liked that it just showed the differences between what was happening um, with humans and then later you know they they it's a matter of fact kind of thing that people know that whatever this virus is impacts um different species differently and that's you know this is one of those instances um i thought it looked really good and i mean they didn't they didn't show like 
it was there pretty quickly, but it was scary enough um, and doing enough damage. And again, it's like a fun kind of like creature thing. And we're used to these things in the Resident Evil franchise. But this was like, I don't know. I enjoyed the fact that they went right into this. And again, they to me, they're setting the table pretty well. And all I can say is that to me, it feels like a fun zombie romp so far. Um, And she gets I mean, like she gets like I also love that she's got a way to get away from the zeros. She's got this whole plan set up. So she has these like fail safe things that she does if she gets in trouble. But then there's like it just sort of escalates into more, you know, oh, she woke up the big monster thing or it got woken up by this and now she's in trouble and then she has to get rescued again um, and just in the nick of time. And then we're introduced to this other sort of group of people and we're finding out a little bit more about how this world works and everybody is doing something a little bit differently. Um, there's a free, like a like this group of people, which um, I guess they're like a surviving enclave or whatever. And, you know, they and they sort of reveal information because she's unconscious and they're like, oh, she's one of the original survivors. So I like how they're kind of leaving all these clues out about, you know, leading like the backstory and then sort of like bringing it forward to the present day. And I think it's, you know, to me, it's just really well done. Um, I don't think it feels forced. I think it feels fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um the the they also have a little snippet where she like opens up a an umbrella computer at the freehold and it shows you maps of the world where uh, all the countries are different now like they have different areas with different names um and there's like a bit of a news thing from um from umbrella and i don't know if that was up to date or not but they were talking about drugs and there's that's clearly a huge theme in this show they're they're trying to pedal in the past they're trying to pedal this drug called joy and joy for kids, which is kind of terrifying. And you're like, is this the zombie drug? Uh, what are they doing? What's happening? Apparently something happened in Tijuana. Um, and it's, it's just, eh, it's an interesting theme. I, I think that the show starts off for me on a good foot. And uh, I think, um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how it keeps going. I really, really liked when umbrella showed up at the Brighton compound Mr. Yeah. Baxter is a little bit over the top, but the the what I really liked was costumes on the umbrella soldiers. I thought that they yeah. looked pretty cool. Um, and I don't mind Mr. Baxter. I mean, he's playing that to the hilt a little overdone, agreed. But <laughs> when he trips down the stairs, I thought that was good. Yeah, but you're you're like, oh, he's that kind of guy. Um, you know, that's you know, that that oh, he's that's who it is, and he's like doing that sort of snivelly thing that often these kinds of characters do um but and and he's the one who's basically like your sister's looking for you and that was really that was really well done because you know at this point we have only seen like we see the origins where the two twins sort of break into the lab i will say i will say that with a corporation like this even their plan to break into umbrella corporation does seem a little far-fetched and a little far-fetched that they wouldn't get caught yeah and and i don't believe that they would have been able to, to no matter what voice thing they have of their dad or password of their dad they have i just don't buy that this this would have been possible so you have to suspend disbelief a little bit a little and you know if umbrella really had a zombie doberman in the basement uh like that thing wouldn't be under guard Right. Exactly. And like, or like, I don't know, 
trouble locked up. So I don't know. The whole thing feels a little, that part felt a little ridiculous um, and a little convenient, but you got to get there. And of course they've got the Doberman, which is a classic from the franchise. So that was cool. Um, Your little zombie Doberman. And it, you, and I will say like, regardless of whether you know the story or not, it, you know, it's a big deal that it's bitten um, Billy and, you know, and I also like that um, we don't know, like, until the very end that she's like, because she's playing dead convincingly, like this bite was pretty significant. Um, I also like how Jade just like takes out the Doberman, although it does feel like in the past they've been a lot harder to kill than this. Uh, so she like, does that- manage to kill it with like three hits from a fire extinguisher. Yeah, right, right. So uh, but regardless, like now and then, you know, this this whole thing where they're in big trouble um, and there's like sort of this cliffhanger idea. And then we know, I mean, obviously we know Jade has survived um, and we now know that her sister has, but who knows what her sister is now. Um, yeah. I, and that was I an think- interesting uh, reveal too in Brighton where Tate is talking to Jade and said, and he's the Scottish guy. And he says to her, Oh, you were a survivor. You were there when the outbreak happened at new Raccoon city. It must've been wild. Uh, and he's not saying it like how, you know, you, you're the cause of all, of, you know, our problems. Uh, it's more like, whoa, how did you even live through that? Uh, and so I think that'll be like, that's just a cool tidbit to be like, hey, that you might see that story too unfold during the mm-hmm. season of this show. And so I, I kind of enjoyed yeah. the way that they did well, that. And I also like that it's like clear that they've been looking for Jade. And we got that when, you know, the one of the people from the Freehold um, said, look, um, you know, you're the number one on their list. And so we have to assume that Billy is working for Umbrella because it's like, you know, they're looking for Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're revealing those kinds of things, which I think is is pretty good. Um, and, you know, I, I just think um, I, I think that this is just it's been fun. And it's in an, again, it's like just a really fun sum, to me, a fun summer thing in the way a little bit in the way that Black Summer was. Um, like yeah, but I mean, action. very different shows, clearly, like oh, very, yeah, very different approaches. Yep. This is going to be like, I don't know, uh, this is going to be fantastic Cole versus gritty. Uh, and, and I think as long as you know that when you should, because it's Resident Evil and it's never yeah. been about realism. It's been yeah. about laser walls and all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be, it's it's video gamey. And so that's it. That, that, but, you know, I also think that, um, but I do think that the, the story is so far really interesting. And so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm cool with this as it is. Um, and I don't know, we'll have to, we'll have to see um, where we go with the next one. Um, it, I would imagine based on the ending of this, that almost every episode is going to be a little cliffhanger um, until we get to the end, but that's all right. And that's sort of in line with the, with the whole franchise. So, you know, yeah. Um so in any case, I'm looking forward to watching the next episodes. Um, and I like I definitely recommend it. I think if you're this is just fun, a uh, little get some popcorn and enjoy the ride. Absolutely. I think that's where we're at. So come back uh, next time, I guess. Uh, and here's some more of us talking about the show uh, Resident Evil on Netflix. Uh, the next episode this first one and the last one are an hour. The, ne- the intermediate ones, I think, are all f- in the 40-minute zone, which is a little more manageable. Otherwise, shows yeah. are so long these days. Um, but, the yeah, the next episode is called...
called the devil you know and then there's the light uh the, I don't, so i don't know how many we're going to do in a row we'll talk about it and, but we'll be back to do more of this next time yes and if you have any uh, thoughts about it feel free to leave us uh, a note on the website reanimatedpodcast.com send us an email reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us reanimatedpcast is the handle and until next time thanks for listening and ciao all righty bye now <laughs>